Hello and welcome to another episode of Goose on the Call. As you can see in my face, I am completely disheveled because I am in the midst of an identity theft right now. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you've obviously seen all the posts about how much money I'm making on Bitcoin. It's not me. I got hacked. Tried to make a backup. He hacked that one too. Steal my personal information. Do not send this guy money. If you have a chance, please report all of his stories as scams or fraud. I'm trying to get Instagram to notice this. And uh, yeah, this has been escalated completely further than that. I'm speaking with authorities. I'm trying to figure this out, but this guy is obviously running a, uh, a phishing scam for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram or haven't seen. Somebody, a hacker is running a phishing scam through my Instagram pretending to be me. It looks like it's me. He's even posting things that I would normally post. He reposted something earlier today from uh, from Charlie the Cannibal. Shout out Charlie. He's doing a, a fantastic fundraiser for breast cancer awareness and the hacker pretending to be me posted Charlie's post on his story so that you all would believe that it was me. But anyway, I am not on Instagram right now. Anybody who claims to be me on Instagram is not me. Do not send them money, report them, and we'll figure it out from there. So now that that's all out of the way, Really, that was one of the only things I wanted to talk about before we get into this week's interviews. We have a little bit of a Warriors Nation extravaganza here. I was able to speak with Marco Berriondo, as well as Joshua Abrams and Michael Schiff-Sharon about their upcoming fights in Flex Fight Series going to be taking place on February 19th at Flex Fight Series 10. A um, bunch of really fun fights there. Obviously, Marco is going to be fighting uh, Binyam Shibre. That's a big fight. Michael is going to be fighting Justin Pure, who's making his MMA debut, though he does have an 8-3 record in kickboxing. And... Joshua obviously is going to be fighting Adam the Atom Bomb Livingston. We all know about a bunch of the heat that's behind that matchup. Those guys in real life don't like each other, and I can't wait to see them battle it out in the cage. You know, personally, I like them both. They're both great guys, but they uh, they don't like each other, and uh, that's going to create a fantastic fight come February. So um, Joshua offered his thoughts on that fight and everything that's been going on with him in that interview. We're going to get into that shortly. Just really quick, um, last couple of events with Skoto Betts both have gone very, very well. I won't go through everything, but we had some big hitters on UFC 269, including our max bet on Tai Tuivasa. Um, we hit on, I don't even remember. I don't have it in front of me because I didn't plan on doing this, but well, well, I think we won like five units that night. So that one was solid. And uh, then this past weekend, Bilal Muhammad over Stephen Thompson on the money line as the underdog, Derek Lewis, same thing, money line underdog. Hit both of those, finished out the year in spectacular fashion. We finished north of 75 units, I believe. So if you want to check out all those numbers there under the link in my Instagram. Fuck, I don't have an Instagram anymore. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so used to saying that. Um, the link in my Twitter bio. Yeah, go to uh, at the Goose MMA on Twitter. You can uh, you can go through there or just go to scotobest.com. Go under the statistics category. You can see everything that we've done this year. I am calling it a year following that last UFC fight night. I won't be betting any of the other cards that are going to be coming up in the coming weeks. We're going to wait until the next year. And um, yeah, so that went well. Thank you all for the support there. Hopefully you keep riding my picks in it next year. We're now plus between last year and this year, close to 200 units. So that's a pretty solid profit year over year. We're looking at an average of about 85, 90 units per year. So solid investment over the next, over the last, sorry, two years uh, with Skoto Bets. So um, yeah, you know, you see me on Instagram and you see me giving out uh, MMA gambling picks, yeah, that's me. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell you all Bitcoin. With that being said, <laughs> let's get into our first interview. Please welcome Marco Berriondo. All right, so I am here with Marco Caliwave Berriondo, fresh off of his debut win in Flex Fight Series by Armbar, fresh off the championship victory at Chronic Combat in the 200 pounds and under blue belt division. 
bunch of success for you lately, Marco, and some more success hopefully in February. How have you been? I've been great, man. Just staying to it, you know, doing what I love. It's been a really good ride. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about this grappling competition. So again, your upcoming fight is at 140 pounds. Your uh, your debut was at 140 pounds in MMA. This grappling competition was a 200 pounds and under bracket. Like, what what was it like going up against some guys who were like twice your size almost in that uh, in that way? I mean, at first. Uh, it was a little, it was a little, I was a little skeptical about it. Like, you know, cause I didn't know it was 200 pounds and under bracket, you know? So when I got there, like, um, I, like I start walking in and I start seeing some of the guys I know, you know, the jujitsu community is very like uh, well-known. So, um, when I see the guys and my coach is like, Oh, you know, like that's the guy you're facing. And we're like, yo, these look like a, like some big boys, you know, like they look pretty big. But then, uh, you know, my co uh, Drew asked me, Andrew Franco, he asked me, he was like, oh, so what are you, what's your plan? Like, what's your game plan? And I told him, I was like, at the end of the day, jiu-jitsu is going to play its part. You know, I'm going to just go out there and just play jiu-jitsu. Because, like, you know, back then, it was in, it didn't matter how big you were, what, what style, you know. You know, they were just constantly just going around showing that jiu-jitsu was dominant. You know, it's, it's supposed to be a self-defense sport. So that's just honestly what I did, and I ended up coming up on top. So what does that mean to you as a practitioner to, in this competition, really embody the spirit of jiu-jitsu? Like you mentioned, like, this was an art that was partially formed so that smaller people could defend themselves against larger people. And you went out and did it, and you did it in an extravagant fashion, winning a championship in this tournament. Thank you. Yeah, so um, genuinely speaking, uh, I've always been small, like, my, my whole life, like, even as a kid, you know? So, like, I did get bullied when I was, I was smaller. And it was like, all you know is just to, to throw hands, you know what I mean? So... If I definitely would have known jujitsu, it would have been way better. But even then, like, um, to just be able to go out there, you know, like, have that confidence and be able to overcome with just jujitsu was just beautiful because, like, everybody was coming up to me. I was a small guy. Like, if you look at the highlights, I, like, I, the, the guys are, like, here and I'm here. You know what I mean? Or, like, his leg is here and mine are here. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, was, it was a big difference. Like, and there were, like, hell of opponents. And, you know, just jujitsu just proved itself to be dominant. There you go, man. Congratulations again on the victory. And that's excellent to hear. It's wonderful to hear all those, uh, all the concepts that we just talked about all coming together and uh, helping to build that victory for you. And that's got to give you a lot of confidence going into this matchup. We've got a little bit of a grappler's delight here. Each of you guys are coming off of submission victories. Obviously, you'll be fighting Binyam Shibra on February 19th. And uh, what, are, what are some of the things going into this fight that you're expecting from him in the grappling department? So, um, genuinely speaking, uh, I, I've seen like, uh, like his fights and stuff. He's, uh, he's like, a very um, – like, he likes to apply pressure, you know? And the thing is, like, uh, the, those submissions that he's gotten, uh, you know, like, it, it looks like the guys, like, uh, were more or less not aware of what he was doing. You get what I mean? And I have enough, like, confidence in my grappling to be able to defend and attack and counter his, uh, his uh, grappling as well. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's – how I feel about it. I, I think I have enough confidence to my training and in my coaches' uh, preparation for my fight. There you go. And as you mentioned, you know, having both of those aspects of it, right, the offensive jiu-jitsu and the defensive jiu-jitsu, is that something, like, that, just to be clear, so you're saying you don't think that's something he's really seen much of just yet is uh, people who know how to defend what he's trying to do and you think that's a challenge he's going to face with you that is different than, uh, than what he's seen in the past? Most definitely, you know, like uh, – like, if, if you've seen everything I do, I'm like, uh, like my dad likes to say, uh, like, a, like a snake. You got what I mean? Like, it's like I get that bite and I wrap around. You got what I mean? So, 
just a piece of advice. Don't let me grab you, you know, because I'm going to take you to the ground and I'm going to mow you respectfully. <laughs> there you go. And you've mentioned, um, I actually I saw some stuff on your Instagram with your dad and you mentioned the, uh, the effect that he's had on your training, the influence that he's had there. Um, obviously, yeah. we spoke about what happened behind the uh, behind the stage when you were fighting Naquan Calderon and how that was a little bit personal. Can you speak to like how your dad has helped to develop you as a martial artist at this point? Most definitely. Uh, you know, just as a man on and off the mats, as a fighter on and off the mats, you know, like uh, I went through some stuff in California. And when I like he, he basically gave me a second opportunity living out here. And, um, you know, I thought I was big and bad when I first got here. And he took me to like a boxing gym right here in uh, Flatbush Gardens called Cops and Kids uh, by Dr. Atlas. And, um, you know, I walk in, I'm ready to fight or whatever. I was like, who wants it, whatever. And, like, I could tell my dad's face, like, he had something up his sleeve, you know? So he tells the coach, he's like, hey, like, I, I think he went to go tell the, the coach, like, hey, he needs to be humbled, you know? Because I had a bad temper. And so this kid, right, he comes up, we start sparring and turn my nose into a sponge. And it humbled <laughs> you know? That, that was, like, the first lesson he taught me, you know? Like, it's no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how many strikes you could throw, if you, like, if you don't practice and if you don't know technique, it'll always be talent. You get what I mean? Like, that, that was something that hit me hard, too. And then throughout wrestling, like, in the beginning, it was fun. I took it as, like, a mediocre sport. And he, he would always throw that in my face. He would tell me, like, yo, like, you're not coming out on top because you're not training the way you're supposed to. You're doing other things. You're not wrestling. You're not eating the right stuff, you know? And so he just constantly, like, uh, even, like, he even leads by example. You know, he might not do fighting and stuff, but, like, he dropped a lot of weight. You know, like my dad, like my dad used to be a little bit bigger and he keeps a strict diet. So like he'll keep salmon in the fridge, he'll keep vegetables. And like, he basically keeps me on a pescatarian diet. And it's like, I can't be like, oh, but you're not doing it. You know what I mean? So he always leads by example. And so like, I always keep that in my mind. Everybody's watching, you know? And so he just showed me to like have integrity to that. And, you know, throughout high school, like he just always supported me. And like the other day too, I came home with my belt, right? With the title. And uh, he's talking to the landlord and he's like, you know, like he's just saying so many beautiful things. And I started to tear up, you know, because it's like uh, when I was younger, like it wasn't a lot of people talking good things, you know. And to hear him express himself about me like that was just like, yo, that's one of the biggest wins for me, you know. Wonderful, man. Thank you for sharing all that. You know, it's really it's interesting to hear how that relationship with your father has kind of helped to forge you into the man that you are today and the fighter that you are today. And a lot of those strong characteristics and a lot of those uh, those positive life lessons that you've taken from him. I would imagine there are things that you have to keep in mind during a fight buildup like this. Obviously, Binyam is somebody who is, uh, is notable in like the public eye and everything. There's going to be a lot of eyes on this fight. There are going to be a lot of questions asked about it going into it. How have you kind of maintained your focus through all of that so far? So the thing is, um, you know, no matter who the opponent is, like, uh, like, because he has a lot of clout. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, every time, like, I, like so, so once I post the flyer, I had people DMing me like, oh, like, you know, stuff about the 90 Fiance show. I had people telling me like, oh, you know, he's, he's going to do his thing. And then, you know, you have the, the people that are like on my side, they're like, yo, go get, the, excuse me. And they were like, oh, go get this guy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but at the end of the day, like, uh, I feel as if no matter how much clout you got, no much, like, like how much money or anything of that sort, it's like as a fighter, you know, like that's, that's mutual. You got what I mean? Like that that fame is not going to back him up in the, in the fight. That fame is not going to shame me in the fight. You know, like when you're in there, it's just you and him. Like we're just human. We're just two humans trying to take each other out, you know, and it's either going to be me or him. And you, you already know the answer to that. 
So it sounds like the uh, the attitude is, you know, all of that that's outside, that's noise. The only thing that's real, the only thing that matters is what's going to happen in that cage between the two of you, correct? Big time, big time, yes, sir. That's good to hear, man. It's, you know, you're you're a guy who I know is always focused on the uh, the goal at hand, the uh, the task ahead of you. And can you uh, kind of explain how that has been in mind as you've begun this training camp? Obviously, the fight's two months away. So, you know, you guys never stop training over at Warriors Nation. I know that. But now being in the official fight camp, is that kind of – led to the uh the focus is that the focal point of what you're trying to do going into february hell yeah um it's just like i have a bigger team now i'll tell you that much and my striking has definitely improved to a, uh, to an extent where i'll be displaying a lot of striking as well you know but obviously if my grappling does happen i'm gonna take him down and i'm gonna mow him on the ground because i believe they're allowing uh, allowing ground and pound as well um, so my last fight been... that a lot you know <laughs> So this one is going to be outside of the novice rule set, right? Like this will be full MMA rules. Yes, most definitely. And I'm excited for that too, because like last, last fight, I was a little bit restricted. So, you know, I had to keep it a little bit like jujitsu more because I couldn't hit him in the face. So this time I'm looking, uh, looking forward to get a, a, a bigger finish. I remember there were moments in that fight that you actually, um, you know, naturally as a, as a mixed martial artist there, and obviously this was incidental, you didn't mean to do this, but there were a couple of um, questionable strikes that had happened on the ground to the head, but, you know, that's something that you obviously have an inclination for. You're obviously, um, you're geared towards that, towards the ground and pound. So what does that mean going into this fight, being able to do that now? And um, and how excited are you to be outside of the novice rule set in New York? So I'm heavily excited for it. Uh, genuinely speaking, like once my coach told me, it, it just clicked in my head like, hey, look, this is, this is either going to be your big banger or it's going to bang you out. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just definitely like, um, Feeling, feeling the fact that it's going to be a full real set and knowing that I could, it's a full real set, I have less to worry about. Because before it was like I was fighting and, I, and, you know, when we would get on the ground, I was like, oh, you know, like, oh, don't hit his face. Oh, don't hit his face. You know, now it's just pure backhands, boom, hammer, fist, all that good stuff. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to get, seeing you get all that going in there. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know you guys are busy and really appreciate you fitting me into your training schedule, your daily schedule and everything. Is there anything that you want to kind of leave the people with before we uh, sign off, just heading into February and uh, what to look for in this fight? Uh, February 19th, baby. I'm ready for it. You know, I'm training hard. I've been training all year. I train all like seven days a week if, uh, if possible. You know what I mean? Nobody's perfect. I would be lying. <laughs> but um, apart from that, just be ready for a show. You know, if, if you've seen me perform, you know that I love to do what I do. And if possible, be flashy as possible. Um, but apart from that, just all around be an entertainer, you know. And thanks for supporting me. Of course, looking forward to that show. Marco Barriano, thank you for taking the time. Cali Wave doing his thing February 19th. And uh, again, 140-pound catchweight bout against Binyam Shebre going to be an absolutely fireworks fight. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon, brother. Be well. For sure. Yes. Cheers. All right. Thank you very much to Marco for taking the time to give that interview. Fantastic interview. I hope you all enjoyed it. Let's move on into uh, Michael Shivsharan talking about his fight coming up with Justin Pure. All right. So I am here with Michael Shivsharan, fighter out of Warriors Nation, a flex fight series. Bantamweight is going to be fighting on the February 18th card, and he'll be taking on Justin Pure in a, uh, in a Bantamweight MMA feature in that fight. Michael, how are you today? I'm good. Um, you know, actually, I'll be making my flyweight debut. I've decided to drop down a weight class to 125. Interesting. All right. So what, um, what motivated uh, or what was the motivation in that behind uh, going down to 125? Do you feel like that's a more natural weight for you? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, weight cutting is a big part of the MMA culture. And I was cutting max three to four pounds to make 135. I walk around at 139. So, you know, I decided to take the next level and uh, start fighting at a more... Uh, professional weight 
since I will be weight cutting eventually, I might as well start to get used to it. Certainly, and that is something that a lot of guys start to move into as they're moving up early on in their careers. They start to figure out like where they're going to be most comfortable. And like you said, you know, only cutting three, four pounds down to 135, you might have been possibly a little bit undersized at that weight class. Do you feel like that was the case, or do you, um, is that, was that part of the motivation to go down to flyweight? Um, not really. I was just advised by my peers and my elders in MMA, you know. Um, I think I was a stronger guy in both of my fights. It certainly felt that way. I was able to press both men against the cage. I just feel like if I was to perform that way at 135, how would I perform against guys closer to my natural weight, you know? Certainly. Especially, and you know, Those guys, right. they from like 160. Cut down from 160 to 135, you're saying? Yeah. Exactly. So it really is like a, like a bigger, bigger guy who's like cutting down to 135. And I think that you made a great point there. As you go down to 125, that strength is going to carry and you're going to be having even more of a strength advantage in those grappling exchanges, like you mentioned. And um, to speak a little about, about uh, your last fight against Patrick Ball, you know, that first round, you were getting that left hand going through the whole way. That straight left was landing every time you threw it, it seemed. And that first round, I definitely scored it for you. The second and third, there were some grappling exchanges it looked like Pat possibly got the better of. Was that, um, did you feel like that was attributed to any strength or what would you, uh, what would you attribute those last two rounds to? Um, just lack of experience, you know. Uh, I'm still young. I still got a lot to learn. And one thing I've learned after that loss is uh, the path to success includes a lot of failures, you know. And I'm actually thankful it happened because it made me a much better fighter. Um, ever since then, it's pretty hard for even pros to hold me down in the gym. You know, because that's something I never really worked. I never expected him to shoot on me. He was advertising himself as a kickboxer the whole camp. So, you know, it was my mistake. And kudos to Pat Paul. He's a great fighter. He capitalized on it. It was his night. And, you know, I'm happy for him. He, he did what he had to do to get the win. Certainly. And you said not really taking a loss out of this, but rather a lesson, right? No loss is only lessons. And especially this early on in your career, it's a great lesson to learn. As you mentioned, it highlighted something that you have since improved upon. And you mentioning the pros are having a tough time holding you down in the gym. And um, you also mentioned that he was kind of advertising himself as a kickboxer going into that fight. Now, going into this next fight against Justin Pure, you don't know too much about him yet just because he's obviously a debuting fighter. He's, there isn't much, much uh, tape on him. So for you as a fighter, what is your focus going into this fight in this training camp? Well, I mean, actually, he does have more experience than me. He's 5-3 and three in kickboxing. Um, but uh, as you said, he's making his debut into MMA, so... Uh, I think I have to show him that, you know, kickboxing is a little bit of a different sport than MMA. There's so many more aspects, so many more factors. There's a different type of cardio. And obviously, he's making his debut. So, you know, um, I think it's going to be a rude awakening. And do you feel like that's something that gives you a leg up? You've been inside that cage before. You've had to mix your, uh, mix your martial arts. You've had to strike while grappling. You've had to go up and down and make those adjustments before. Do you feel like that's an advantage that you have going into him in this fight, despite the fact that he has more total fights than you do in his career? Certainly. Um, when I made the transition from fighting kickboxing to fighting MMA, it was a rude awakening myself. So when I say that, I'm not necessarily trying to put him down. I'm speaking from experience. It's just a factual statement that kickboxing and MMA are very different sports. There's just so many more aspects and the things that I went through, he's going through now. So I kind of have that head up on him, even though he might have uh, a few more fights than me. And I think that's going to play a big factor in the fight. Certainly, and something you've been able to do through your first two fights in mixed martial arts is make necessary adjustments when they come in the fight, right? Like we've spoken before about you being an adaptive fighter. You kind of take what the fight comes or you take what the fight gives to you. You take things as they come and you adjust as necessary. Do you feel that that well-roundedness to your skill set is something that's also going to be an advantage in this fight? 
Uh, certainly, I have options, you know. Um, obviously, he's very comfortable on the feet. He may or may not be comfortable grappling. We don't really know. But I know that I'm comfortable wherever the fight goes. And I have uh, abilities and I have a toolbox that can help me in any aspect of the game. Certainly. And part of that is having such great coaches and such great training partners behind you. We've spoken before about Coach Hansel, Xavier, uh, Hulk Pedro Villa, all of your great training partners. I'm going to be speaking to Marco Berriondo in a little bit. He's also a, a band and weight. We just mentioned you're going down to flyweight now, but can you uh, speak a little bit about how all of that support at Warriors Nation helps to uh, give you confidence going into this fight? Yeah, it's great, man. Uh, we all do our camps together. We just had a great training session yesterday. It was hard sparring. We brought the best out of each other. Um, Coach Hansel, Coach X, uh, Coach Hulk, as you mentioned, all three of them, they're like great support inside and outside of the gym. You know, they help us. They make sure we're on point physically and mentally. And as tough as they are, it's all, you know, it's just tough love. And we need it as fighters. Certainly. And that can definitely be something that helps you get prepared, you know, kind of going through a lot of those more difficult experiences in the training room so that the fight can almost seem easy. Um, not to say that any fight is ever easy, but that, um, that's got to give you a lot of confidence knowing that you have that excellent preparation behind you, right? Yeah, you can't go wrong having the right people in your circle. Certainly, man. Iron sharpens iron. And uh, looking forward to getting to see how all that preparation comes to fruition in February. You know, I always love watching you fight and it's going to be uh, going to be an exciting thing to see you move down to flyweight now and watch all that power and all that strength carry. And uh, is there anything else you want to mention right now, you know, just before we sign off, any kind of message you want to send out going into this fight, something to keep in mind for the next two months? Um, I plan to be more active. I fought uh, two times for flex and one time in kickboxing in 2021. Um, I've transitioned fully to MMA, so I expect to fight four to five times this year. So, you know, just look out for me. Look out for the things I do in uh, flyweight division and expect the show in February. Wonderful, man. Michael Shipsherin going to put on a show at Flyweight February 18th. Looking forward to that fight and looking forward to that high level of activity that you're mentioning for the rest of the year. And, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be great to see. I'm really looking forward to it, and hopefully we get that capped off or started off with a win in, uh, in February. Yes, sir. All right. Michael Shipsherin, thank you very much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and thank you very much to Michael for taking the time to give that interview. He had a lot of fun, interesting things to say about that matchup, obviously. Very interesting anytime you're facing somebody coming into their debut, you know, a, a striking specialist, obviously, with the kickboxing background is uh, is Justin Pure, but it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys match up in February. And uh, now let's move into Joshua Abrams' interview in which he had some choice words regarding the uh, the current lightweight champion of Flex Fight Series, Adam Livingston, and their fight coming up on February 19th. I hope you all enjoy this. All right, so I am here with Joshua Abrams, who is going to be fighting for the Flex Fight Series lightweight MMA title against Adam Livingston on February 18th out here in New York. Right now, you just told me you're out in Las Vegas celebrating your 25th birthday, so happy birthday to you, Josh, and uh, how's everything going out there? Thank you. Oh, man, it's a lot of fun, man. Vegas is, uh, Vegas is an interesting place, man. It's, uh, I saw the Bruno Mars concert last night. Incredible. And, uh, yeah, no, I love it. Awesome. So that you're uh, right now kind of just enjoying yourself, taking the uh, taking the holidays to focus on uh, relaxing, getting that mental right and everything. And you mentioned you uh, you'd had a title fight recently in October in uh, Rage in the Cage, you became the uh, lightweight right MMA. Uh, or I'm sorry, kickboxing champion in that promotion. So uh, congratulations on that. And also, you know, yeah. bringing that belt in that set you up for a big title shot here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I've been looking to, to fight for flex since my March fight. Um, and a lot of people have been ducking. A lot of people will accept fights 
then they'll pull out, you know, especially from Long Island. And so uh, <laughs> I was talking with Machi and I was like, look, man, if the only person who's, who's, who ain't going back out is the champ. So I've been calling him out. He finally, he finally stopped running and here we are. Well, you had mentioned that, you know, the, um, there has been a lot, of, uh, a lot of back and forth between you and the champ. He had mentioned you in his post-fight interview after his last fight at Flex Fight Series 9. What kind of initiated all of the, uh, the animosity here between you and Adam? Well, you know, I just, I, I call him out on, on BS. He hasn't fought anybody with a winning record. I don't know how you're the champ and have not fought. I can literally go by his first fight, 0-0, right? Cool, it was his very first fight. Second fight, fought a guy that was 2-4. and four. Third fight, fought a guy that was 0-0 and got rear naked choke in 48 seconds. Fourth fight, fought a guy that was 0-0. Fifth fight, fought a guy that was 5-9 as an amateur. 5-9. Doesn't even finish him. Gets the belt and then defends it against a guy that was 1-1. One one. Has not fought anybody with a winning record, yet he's parading around like, I'm the big guy, I'm the big man in town. <sighs> yeah. So I just call that out. He calls it, you know, he wants to start all this animosity stuff. For me, it's just business at the end of the day. I don't hate the kid. I, you know, I, I, I think Long Island, you know, they, they try to get it easy. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't hate the kid or anything like that. If he has animosity towards me, that's, not, that's his problem. I just come there, handle business, get my belt and bounce. Well, as you mentioned, you know, business was kind of the word that stuck out to me there. This fight is an excellent piece of business. I think we got two really high-level, uh, high-talent fighters here. But you're mentioning now that you have some more, uh, you have some more high-level experience. You feel than Adam has. You know, you mentioned some of his past opponents' records. Is that something that you feel is going to give you an advantage coming into this fight? Well, I mean, I, every person I fought was—they uh, all had a winning record. In my first Muay Thai fight, I fought a dude that was five and three. Um, my second Muay Thai fight for a belt was against a dude that was four and one. My first MMA fight was against uh, Adam's teammate, uh, who was two and zero at the time. You know what I mean? And everybody I fight is with a winning record. You know what I mean? I go to my coaches and they're like, "Cool, let's see what you're about." So cool, let this this go against this tough guy. Let's go against this tough guy. Let's go against this tough guy. And how do you fare against that? That's what fighting is. Not this, you know, <laughs> like trying to fight cans to 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 get a, a good a good record and and you know you're not and then and then on top of that the funny thing is he was talking about wanting to go pro after that fight too. He hasn't fought anybody with a record winning record and yet you want to go pro. Got here, man. <laughs> Actually, that's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's something that he had, uh, he had said in that post-fight interview specifically. He wanted you to put some respect on his name. Do you, uh, do you not feel like you respect his past opponents or like what's kind of the deal there? Do you think that he's misinterpreting that, uh, the lack of respect? Look, man, look, you got to respect anybody that steps in that, 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 that cage. Um, hats off, but he's not a fighter. He does not want it. He wants to parade around things like he, he calls in cans from California uh, that are one in one. You know what I mean? Just, it, it, you know, I, he, he, man, I, look, honestly, man, I, I don't even give a fuck about that, to be fair. So <laughs> I don't care if he thinks I respect him or not. You know, it is what it is. I'm taking my vote February 19th. And, that, and that's that. He's, he, He's 
he's built like a twig, first of all. Um, he he does all this crazy, like flashy spinning stuff. He just sets himself up for so many opportunities. And, and one round, <laughs> one round, I was going on. I'm going. I was going over the fights, all his fights with my coaches, and it's one round, man. It's one round. So there it is. You are. He's too skinny. He he has no experience. I I look, I train with killers. I train with Bellator, um, Bellator uh, uh, top 10 contenders. I train with one champions. I train with one top 10 contenders. I train with uh, UFC top 15 contenders. I train with those people. Those are those are who I'm taking shots from every day. This kid. I don't know. They're playing fucking having a tickle party at long island so and then he wants to parade around like he's a real fighter look everybody will see though everybody will see february 19th everybody's gonna see well it's great to hear the uh it's great to hear the confidence and your nickname is the prophet you are in the business of making predictions it sounds like your prediction for this fight is a, a first round knockout in your favor is more specifically how do you see this fight going you mentioned some of the spinning things that you think would open up opportunities for you are those some of the holes that you feel like you see in his game I mean, there's a lot of holes in this game, to be fair. Um, he has basic footwork, um, no real head movement. He's been taller than all of his opponents, so it makes sense. He really doesn't have to move his head too much. Um, so he, ha he has no head movement, no real footwork. His skinny ass ain't got no damn power for real. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's that. You know, I, I, I'm going to dance around him. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be vicious. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be vicious. And the best part is, it's gonna be in his backyard. You mentioned, you know, that's kind of also your backyard, right? You spend a lot of time in New York. You mentioned training back and forth between there and Jackson Wing. Obviously, spending some time in Vegas now. But um, do you feel like this is kind of a, a road fight for you? You know, are you coming in as the road warrior on enemy turf for this uh, this competition? A hundred percent. Long Island isn't even a borough. You know. <laughs> So 100%, yeah, this is a, you can, you can say it's a, it's a road fight, um, but that, that's what I love. I love hostile environments. I love, I love quieting crowds. There's no sweeter sound than a quiet crowd. And so um, I look forward to doing that on February 19th as well, so. Well, if you're able to pull off the win on February 19th, I know there's going to be at least one section in the building that's not going to be very quiet at all, and that'll be all your Warriors Nation training partners and your coaches there. And uh, can you speak a little bit about how that preparation, also the preparation at Jackson Wink, has helped you to develop yourself as a fighter over this last year and give you confidence going into this title fight early 2022? Yeah, well, it's, it's been kind of like a, a, a dual thing because, you know, I keep Warriors Nation updated, Hansel and Xavier are updated all the time on what I'm working on, what I'm improving on, um, et cetera, even game planning. Um, you know, I have my coaches down at Jackson's come up with it with uh with preparations for this fight and um and then yeah just kind of relay that back to them at warriors nation so um when i come like two weeks out um you know to to finish my camp over there we're just picking up where we left off i'm also bringing in one of one of my coaches um out there who just won the, the uh cage fury world title the mon blackshear um he's coming down as well to corner me as well so um we got all the pieces rolling together. Each team is working with each other. And so that's what I really like about it. So I'm ready to go, man.
Well, that's great to hear. You know, it sounds like you've really um, you've assembled a team of coaches and training partners who are really helping you become the best version of yourself. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. I don't want to hold you up too much because I know you uh, requested a late checkout to be able to do this with me, which I very much appreciate. And uh, are there any last thoughts that you want to leave the people with going into the fight in February? Look, Long Island is the wrong island. I'll leave it at that. You know, they try to I, look, man, it, it's laughable, bro. I, it, when when they look, I spit facts, right? Then when you can't when you can't neglect the facts, when you can't deny the fact, they start talking about other stuff. They start bringing my 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 girlfriend um, into the picture. They start adding her. Uh, they start, you know. Then he has his teammate who is also has a losing record and uh, has never fought anybody with the winning record except one time and, he, and that guy knocked him out in nine seconds so you're like it, it, it's classic long island the only person i respect from that gym is john o'day he's the only one that was like oh i'll fight him again i'll fight him again all these other guys they they, they run they like to they like to milk their records as much as possible he can't run no more bro he can't run that bout is mine february 19th tune in Great to hear that prediction, man. That's how you cut a promo right there. Joshua Abrams, the prophet, thank you very much for taking this time. Thank you for giving the interview again. I know you kind of had to squeeze this in on your way out. Um, happy birthday and, uh, you know, safe flight back. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Dude. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing you as well. Thank you. All right. Good luck, brother. I'll see you soon. All right. All right, and with those three interviews, we are going to conclude this episode of Goose on the Call. There aren't too many events to look forward to. Obviously, we're looking at Flex Fight Series 10 coming up February 19th. Make sure you all get your tickets there. Twitter bio only there. I'll also put a link on my YouTube page if you all are watching there. Um, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get my Instagram back, but, you know, um, let this kind of be a lesson to everybody. You know, there, there really wasn't anything that I could do to secure the account. Like after he hacked the original one, I tried to make a backup one with multiple authentication factors and a different email and all this other shit that Instagram told me to do. And he still got in there. So um, they're really, I don't know if there's anything that we all can really do. I know there was that report from a, uh, from a Facebook employee not long ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, claiming that things like this were going to happen and that Facebook and meta, whatever the hell they want to call themselves, just didn't really care and that they were moving forward with the launch of Meta despite the security flaws and everything. This isn't meant to be a tech podcast, man. I'm just telling you all about my personal experience with this and it has been a fucking nightmare. Um, I don't know what information this person has access to. I, like I said before, I'm in contact with authorities trying to figure the whole thing out. And um, yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to be back on Instagram anytime soon. I'll give you all an update about that. But um, yeah, you know, find me on Twitter at the goose underscore MMA. Find me on YouTube, TJ Ragusa, and everybody stay safe out there. It's a fucking crazy world.